Thanks for tuning in to the Loser Kid Pinball Podcast. We know you thought we weren't coming back. Guess what? It's episode 101. Whoa. I am Josh Roop. With me, my co-captain as always. Scott Larson. And Scott, uh, it sounds like more pinball machines are being made. Where are you buying yours from? Well, I, uh, I, okay, do you know, I actually did just pick up and I got shipped out the other day is I bought four Insider Connected to uh, install in all my games that are compatible with it, but not, uh, weren't currently installed because I purchased them before. So uh, Zach and Nicole Manny at uh, Flipping Out Pinball, they've always been good to me. They're really easy to work with and uh, not just pinball machines. I got banners from them and um, you can translate. It's just all that fun stuff that uh, they've always been really a good friend of the show. So we appreciate their support. Yeah, if you need anything, just give them a call, give them a text. We like I like to message them through Facebook. Zach's easy to get a hold of that way. So uh, look at their current list. They just updated it at the end of January. They've got a ton of games on there. Go ahead and hit them up. Uh, they will take care of you very well. <laughs> All right, Scott. Yeah. Oh, I want I want to do one shout out before we start this. Before, okay. Uh, we'll make our guests wait just a little bit longer. <laughs> okay. So Jeff Teolis did his top ten for twenty twenty two. And he put us on there at number eight. And I appreciate the words that he said. That was very nice of him. Uh, we love you too, Jeff. Like you're an awesome dude. And, and honestly, he's kind of been a mentor in some of this as well. Yeah, I, are you sure he wasn't drunk when he made that list? Maybe. You know what? I have learned from Jeff. <laughs> he's only sincere like one time out of the year. and It's usually the top 10. So I feel like he was either pulling our leg or yeah. he was being very sincere He's pranking us yeah. But yeah absolutely jeff's always been a good friend of the show so, and, so. and marty too so today we have a very special guest the guest that's been on our show more times than any other guest the get the guest that gets the consistently the most downloads yes and he has been named the goat for many reasons the greatest of all time in playing definitely uh has that locked up the greatest of all time player and rapidly approaching what could be the greatest of all time designer I so agree. josh who do we have on board none other than keith elwin how you doing keith hello uh well i don't know if i have that wrapped up because you know when i was in my prime there was just no tournaments so you know here i am an old man and you know these kids like escher and jared and um Neil are just uh yeah they're very good and they're gonna have so many world championships to win that uh yeah I don't I don't think that's gonna last but I'll I'll enjoy it while I can right that had been one of the best finals I had ever watched it coming down between you and Escher and that bonus there on Flash Gordon I I know you probably don't want to relive it but how was that experience for you I mean (laughs) that I, I mean that was great um I mean it's just I don't do this because I need the recognition. I don't need the money. I do it because I enjoy it. And I would much rather have something like that and lose than just like plow through finals with, you know, that's over before the third game even starts. I think that's boring. Um, The fact that uh, Indisc uses the format where you cannot um, pick the same game twice through the entire, you know, the entirety of the finals. So here we are. I was third seed and uh, Zach McCarthy and uh, Eric Stone were ahead of me. So I was like, well, there's no way these guys are getting knocked out in the the opening round. So I I was I used all my my uh, choice picks in my first round. And then lo and behold, they got kicked out. Then I was like, oh, okay. well, now 
you know, now I have to strategically pick up these games. Like some of them I'm not even that familiar with, like Bad Girls. I had played that once in qualifying, had no idea what I was doing. <laughs> um, you know, didn't even have the right backlash in it. And so I was like, uh, what, what is this game? <laughs> you know, uh, but you know, I felt comfortable in it, but I, I had no idea what to do. And I was like, yeah, okay, this is fine. I would never pick this as a pick, but, uh, you know, that came back and bit me, but it was actually, it was fun. It was a, let that, um, I watched Escher play and I was like, Oh, you know, they helped to watch somebody good play it, you know, on the screen that they're, they had up there. And I was like, okay, that's what you do. And then, so I adjusted my strategy, but yeah, I couldn't quite catch up to him. And then, uh, yeah, I was kind of down to, uh, do I want to pick Rush against Escher? Not really, or I can play Flash Gordon. So, uh, yeah, I chose Flash Gordon. I own one. It's a fun game, but obviously it's a drain monster. Yeah. So uh, the fact that him and I, I mean, even he, he was just like, I can't believe I came back on Flash Gordon. I hate this game. <laughs> and so I was like, you know what? That was such an exciting ending. Yeah, even though I lost, it was just like, it was fun. Yes. Yeah. It was fun for us, too. I mean, it was that was quite intense. I think between... That moment and, and Travis Murray getting a double zero. Yeah. <laughs> I think we're the two best moments of that final. <laughs> Travis going for the donut. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I have not seen anything like, like that since an EM where like the old Gottliebs that they yeah. didn't care if he had zero. And it's like, wow. I think all of us are like, what? <laughs> I cannot believe he didn't get disqualified. I mean, that would have been awful for him to just walk up and plunge player four. Oh yeah. Because oh, yeah. he didn't notice the, the different blinking scores. So uh, yeah, good on him for, uh, you know, keeping us aware of such a thing exists. Yeah. I think we were all pretty shocked in that moment. <laughs> his, his face said it all, which was great. <laughs> yeah. He just like looks up, looks back. Huh? <laughs> but it's great to see you going up against Escher. It's given us quite these games over the last, you know, I've been watching last few years now and it seems like you and escher some at some point in every leading up to a final uh go into the same group with each other and so it's kind of cool to see the young versus the the talented and the experienced <laughs> and <laughs> the seasoned the seasoned yes the seasoned player uh it's just really cool to see kind of me a, a transferring of the torch so to speak and these young kids have it's, it's getting scary how good they are <laughs> Well, they cheat. They have YouTube now. I mean, you know, when that's fair. Yeah. When we were playing in the the late '90s, early 2000s, it was like you, you, they come across a game you'd never seen before. You can't watch a video on it. You can't watch any flipper skills. And so, uh, I actually think you know all these streamings and the, the rigs that, that they've come out with and everything has really helped you know promote um, these kids getting so good so fast. Because I, I think pretty much all of them, you know, their parents are in the pinball and right. they're like, Oh, how do I play this game? So they'll, they'll watch, you know, a Carl stream or whatever. And it's like, okay, this is how you blow this game up. And so, you know, th they'll take that same approach. And all of a sudden they're, they're just as good as the rest of us. And uh, so we have to rely on picking these older games. So uh, we still have that going for us. Well, and those, those older games really are brutal. So it gives us quite, quite a spectacle watch too. So. Yeah, I mean, it depends on the game. You know, Flash Gordon obviously is pretty brutal, but, you know, the, some of the games that they had there at Indisc, like Surf and Safari and even Bad Girls, it was pretty controllable, yeah. even though there were no ramps or anything. It, they were controllable. What, I guess, I don't know if you want to give this information away, but what what is your go-to old game if you have, have one in a tournament? Uh, usually it's Frontier. Uh, I didn't really, I wasn't crazy about how the one there played in Classics 2, so it became Supersonic. 
Uh, that's just that game where you do absolutely nothing with the right flipper, but tap pass to the left flipper. And I'm pretty good at that. So that was my go-to game. Mm, nice. In finals, uh, it was high speed because I've just been playing that game since it came out. And I love it. And uh, yeah, I, I've, I probably have more time logged on high speed than probably any other game. It's including the games you've made, huh? <laughs> <laughs> yes oh my god you know once my game gets released i don't want to play it for a year yeah. so when was the last time you played godzilla <laughs> uh actually i played it uh just a couple of days ago because uh we have a minor uh update coming out for oh, the cool. uh <clears throat> carl carl's thing he's running um there was some a couple minor bugs and then we put a little tribute to uh dean grover in in there because he passed away mm. since the last code update and yeah he he did a few modes on the game so uh we want to make sure that you know we recognized everything he did and so we put a little tribute in there to him and yeah just cleaned up some bugs um yeah so I, that's the last time i played it but Last time I played it for fun, it's it's probably been a while. <laughs> My girlfriend plays it all the time, but I'm usually like, yeah, I think I need another six months and then I'll, I'll want to play it again. It's the same with all my games. After Jurassic Park came out, I didn't want to play it for a year. Same with Avengers. You know? But, you know, it'll come around when I'm not playing it to look for bugs or code ideas, then then it becomes fun for me. I, I've actually been playing Jurassic Park a lot the last two weeks. So even though I, I, I've been playing around and playing Godzilla and all, all the new stuff. And then I was like, I haven't played Jurassic Park in a while and I am getting really into that game again. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's funny. It's the same thing with me. Um, it's, you know, it's been here for a while, but I never played it. And then uh, once Godzilla was, you know, got to the point where uh, Rick wasn't working on it full time anymore, then I started playing uh, Jurassic Park again. And um I was just like, ah, this man, I didn't really do enjoy this game. And, uh, of course my Avengers is still in this box, but, uh, I will get it out probably this summer is my goal to get it out of the box and in the game room. I, I actually just sent off my, uh, my Avengers glove to be customized. And so it actually looks, it looks pretty impressive and I can't wait to put it back in the game. You make um, it look like the movie. Yeah. Yeah. See, that that was that thing. It was the comic book version of the glove looks so different than what they use in a movie. Yeah. People are like, why is there a, a dishwashing glove in the game? Yeah. <laughs> you look at the comic, that's literally what it looks like. So, oh, yeah. oh, absolutely. Yeah, it, it does. And and the uh, the cool thing is I, I just sent you a picture and you can look at it. And he had the Marvel runes and he uh, he put um, LKP on my glove. So I sent it with my friends. So we have Loser Kid Pinball. They'll be in the game. Ooh, those are nice. <laughs> yeah. Man, you should have made an extra one for me. You didn't ask. Oh, I, I didn't know his, it was name, coming. His, his name is Alex. He'll oh, okay. uh, he'll do it for you. I'll have to I'll have to hit him up. That's awesome. Yeah. Yeah, it looks really cool. Well, and one thing I want to bring up with Godzilla is like in Jurassic Park and Avengers, you had those side modes that you could just access from the the pushing the two flippers in. Why didn't you go with that on Godzilla? Yeah, uh, we are. Um, oh. It's taking longer, but um, okay. yeah, we're, we're definitely going to have something. Worst case scenario, we'll, we'll throw in like maybe, um, uh, what is that? Not Monsters here, the other one. Oh, Terror of, Me of Mecha Godzilla. I think we'll at least throw that in okay. uh, soon and then work on the one that we uh, that was actually planned from the beginning. Hopefully we get that out. 
you know, sometime this year, but, um, yeah, it's definitely there. We will definitely put something in there because, uh, uh I remember when Dwight, Dwight first put that in, um, Ghostbusters and then we put it in Jurassic. I was like, yeah, this is, this is cool. Um, it's fun. every yeah. game should have this. Yeah. So, yeah. uh, it's definitely, it's getting done. Uh, not sure when, but it's definitely getting done. Okay. I just figured when we hit 1.0, I was like, well, dang it, it's not happening, but you heard yeah. it here first people. Yeah, <laughs> it, it is happening. Um, yeah, it, not at one point. It's happening simultaneously with the topper, I guess. Ah, you might be on the <laughs> I kid, I kid. <laughs> I got to say, Godzilla is so refined. Like, I can see I've owned all your games, and I've I've kind of watched as the code has evolved, and you've taken bits and pieces of each code from your other games, and, and Godzilla has somehow just perfectly refined that all together. Um, are you feeling like you're you're becoming, like you're, you're creating your own style through all this? Because I think the one complaint people had with Avengers is that they got so focused on the gems, they thought that's what it was about. And then you realize, well, it's really just shooting the Avengers. And so with Godzilla, it feels like there's something accomplished no matter where you're shooting, whether you're going for tanks or bridge or even just raid. Um, so I guess my question is, do you feel like you're starting to get that figured out and you're just kind of evolving on what you've done before? So I have a theory here. Um, it seems like a good percentage of the players just want to turn their brain off and flip and have fun. Uh, there are other diehards that like, uh, you know, like set your example of Avengers. They're like, well, here's this perk I put on this shot. And, you know, when do I want to do it? Um, so, you know, I have to take the approach of, yeah, not everyone wants to do that. Some people want to be told what to do and other people just don't care. Um, so, a good example is the power-up system in Godzilla was something entirely different. Um, and when, you know, we started getting early code into the game and playing it and I was like, do I really want to put this menu up here of, you know, what, what you want to buy? So basically you were going to, you're building up this power and then you could cash it in for an award. And so, yeah, and if you have six, okay. And I get, I get all these, this list of things I can choose from, and then they all cost a certain amount of energy. And, um, I, I talked it over with Rick and I was like, you know, it's just, this, this is going to slow the game down. This is going to make too many options. People just want, you know, okay, I'll give me one or the other. It's kind of like, you know, it was, it was a throwback idea to how the old data East games worked where, mm-hmm. you know, like star Wars is like, Oh, do I want that ad or do I want 20 million? You know, you don't, you don't spend much brain power thinking of that. So it's like, okay, yeah, one or the other. So we completely refined the, uh, the power up system, just one or the other. And I think that it worked out for the best because yeah, I, I haven't heard one people person complained that it was like, I don't understand what these power ups do. I don't understand what to choose and when it's because we, we pretty much made it simple. So, you know, my designs are, I think I've learned, you know, it's like, oh, this is what people want. They want, you know, they want some ball time. So in Godzilla, uh, we introduced a a new ball save system where you get a certain amount of time, no matter how many actual ball saves you get. And so we implemented that, even though it's 
in, been in all my games, it just wasn't defaulted to it. Mm. So this is the first game we defaulted to it because, you know, you're plunging onto the play field, the ball drains, it kicks it back out, you drain again, then you feel robbed. So we, we implemented that into here. And then we noticed, well, you know, we keep seeing the same video over and over of Godzilla kicking his son. So as like, I, I talked to Rick, he's like, can we just make this like its own little side story of, you know, Manila's quest, uh, you know, to beat that monster. So yeah, we did, we added like seven or eight, you know, little snippets. So every time you got a ball save, you'd see a different video. So we, ha- we kind of had fun with it. Nice. And I think people enjoy that because at least they don't feel robbed. I mean, it's like, if you don't get the ball under control after, you know, four or five plunges, that's on you. But- yeah. <laughs> so you have a game coming out that was uh, just real, just announced anyway. I know that my friend down the street is on the list to get one. And that is obviously Bond 60. Um, so th- the first question is, when were you approached to do a, a playfield for Bond? It was probably about a year ago. Uh, whenever George kind of like full-time took over the uh, Bond cornerstone, um, there were uh, rumblings of, uh, you know, the licensor wanted, you know, the uh, kind of a retro throwback old school design, you know, featuring all the bonds. And, um, when I heard about this, I, I immediately volunteered cause I knew it was going to be a while before my next game came out. And, uh, so, uh, yeah, I had a meeting with George and he's like, yeah, you know, have fun, knock it out of the park. And so I, uh, kind of paused the project I was working on and, uh, pivoted over to this and, uh, yeah, just got started. Well, my understanding, too, is we kind of talked a little bit before this. You pretty much just did the design of the play field, whereas most of your other cornerstones, you're you're helping with the code. You're helping with you're 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 doing the whole project. Right. So how is it different doing just a play field? And do you have any nervousness with the code not lining up with your vision of uh, how how your play field is going to be laid out? So, yeah, actually, when when I'm on a cornerstone, I you know, I'm. I'm dealing with the licensor. I'm dealing with you know, the artists. Um, I'm designing accessories. So it, it is a very time-consuming uh, process. So in this case, yeah, it was actually kind of nice just to design a play field and then hand it off. And then, <clears throat> uh, it's not to say I abandoned it, but I, I worked uh, closely with Mark Panaccio, who came up with the rules for the game. And, you know, if he did something that I thought was questionable i'd say yeah i'm not sure about this and then there's some other things that he put in there that's like yeah this is pretty cool so between the two of us you know coming up with a you know kind of a i wouldn't say a simple rule set but a more straightforward rule set than like you would have on a cornerstone um so it was actually a lot of fun um it's a fun game to shoot uh the music's good you know it's it's very fast so that that was actually my goal was to take okay you know you want a a simple you know no ramp game but i'm doesn't mean i can't make it fast so we got uh two control gates on there so you know lots of looping shots and you know i wanted to feel like you know you're you're in the car chase or something you know i just wanted to always keep you on your toes i didn't want the ball to just sit in a pop bumpers for an hour and like like traditional old school uh you know classic games it's like we got a ball saver we don't need to keep the ball in the pops for 20 seconds you know we can just you can super skill shot around get it right to your flipper and uh, go to town like you would a modern game 
So you, this is the first time that Stern has done two games with a, you know, with a single license. Um, how does that affect your choices when George is designing a game and you are simultaneously designing a game? Uh, it didn't really affect, you know, my choices at all. Um, other than, you know, we're sharing the same, um, narrator. Uh, we have separate recording sessions, but it's the same guy. Um, yeah, we were not originally George had the, uh, the spinning disc on his game too, but where he had it, he didn't like it. So I think he, he yanked it out for that reason, but where I have it, it's much less in the way. And I think it actually, uh, adds a lot to the game. Despite what I see people saying, Oh no, not another disc. I was like, nah, this one's a little different. It's, uh, it's more of a fusion of the Batman disc and the Avengers disc, whereas okay. it, it homes to a certain position to um kind of be always in a meat zone so uh when you hit it, it it spins a long time because it has these special bearings that they use on the batman and then it homes to a certain position so it's, it's not like the avengers disc at all and obviously everyone's loving the idea for optical spinners was that just like i've got to do this from the get-go or <laughs> i originally had three and then there was the shot on the left um, when you rip that figure eight loop, it, it would just come flying down this left lane. It's like, wow, you know, I can put an optic spinner here and get get a bunch of spins there too. So uh, I just I just uh, told Rob, the engineer, he's like, you know, let's just throw another spinner in here. Let's see how it does. And then once we shot it, it's like, oh yeah, that's staying. And so I was like, wow, a four four spinner game. Uh, I'm not sure that had ever been done before. And then uh, we actually have an achievement. If you get all four spinners going and the, the spinning hat, you get, a, you get an achievement. You also get a bunch of points. It's like 500 oh. points, which is a lot in that game. Oh, yeah. Well, I remember you talking on Stern Insider Podcast that like your highest score was 18,000 or something well, like that. <laughs> that was recorded like last summer. So that was, <laughs> that was before any of the wizard modes were in. Uh, I think my high score is 80,000 now. Oh, okay. Which is still, um, so I think it goes to like 200 something because once you completely roll all the lights, then the over the top light adds as the 110,000. So it's actually, it's going to be extremely hard to roll, but I'm, I'm sure Carl will take that as a challenge, but sure. um, <laughs> you can only get two extra balls in a game. Uh, so it's going to be pretty challenging, but uh, I'm sure someone will find a way to do it. Can you set it to 10 ball though? <laughs> <laughs> I think it goes to five. Okay. All right. So they, now actually you, you just got into the scoring, which I, I wanted to bring up. So when this came out and it was announced a long time ago by George is like, Hey, it's going to have reels in it. And then we kind of also, <laughs> I, I fell into it too. I saw the release and I'm like, are you kidding? They just put an LCD screen back there. <laughs> Because it's exactly where the LCD screen is. <laughs> yeah, there was a, the, a leak of a render, um, it, which it was, obviously it was looked flat because it was flat. It was just a right. render. Right. Um, but it's funny, though, because even in real life, if you stand at a straight, straight on angle of the reels, they do look fake because they are so well lit with uh, the LCD lighting system that they have in there um, that they almost do look fake. Whereas, you know, cause you're used to, you know, you look at an EM, you see it's, it's bottom lit by one, you know, yeah. 
incandescent bulb so it has it always has this kind of shadowy like it's bright bright on the top and the bottom and kind of darker in the middle but this doesn't have that so yeah it does it, it's it's not what you're used to seeing as far as a score reel i gotta say though i love that uh when you posted the picture with it with the the the, the bezel with down the, or whatever yeah that's a lot yeah 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 we really went all out you know yeah <laughs> virtual panel open <laughs> <laughs> It was great. Um, you did. We talked about going with a single level of retro feel. What are the advantages and disadvantages of confining your design to a single level playfield? I mean, the, the, the advantage is like creating ramps is actually much harder than you think. Because um, it, it usually take up a lot of uh, entrance space and you didn't got to figure out where do they go and how do they interact with the other ramps. And it's actually like on my current um current project i'm working on uh my my engineer harrison and i have been just like it took us like two months to figure out how the ramps would all interact with each other it's very time consuming we do a lot of trial and error so for this you know there's none of that it was just you know hey it's an old school game there are no ramps that means i can put drop targets wherever i want you know i can you know have all these dangerous shots but you know Lots of shots you can bank off of other shots. Um, it's kind of a, a fun, like, relax your brain, just kind of have a throwback. What what did these designers do, you know, back when they were designing these games? And, I, and then I realized, oh, I have such an advantage because I'm using, you know, CAD and then we can 3D print, you know, whatever we need to, uh, you know, instantly try, you know, whatever shot we're trying to do. So, yeah, it was actually, uh, it was very smooth. I was going to say too, I mean, this, this game looks fantastic. It, I don't recall any old school game, you know, pre DMD that looks like this. Was there any influence that you got outside of like, is there one of your favorite games that you were trying to put on here or was it just kind of like, this is what I'm feeling. This is what I'm doing. I wanted to use, so I actually designed a shot that I never used and I, I kind of like the, uh, the Harry Williams designs of the, uh, like both Cheetah and Ali, they had the, the rope-a-dope little thing. And even that nine ball has it too. So I, I was trying to do my take on that. And I was like, well, how about instead of just flying back in the middle of the play field, I have it, you know, loop back around. And um, so, yeah, I went to work on that. And if I said, wow, this works really well. Then they had it, you know, drop down. And then it's like, yeah, this is cool. And of course, later I find out that uh, I guess Diamond Lady has a very similar shot. But I was like, oh, well, oops. <laughs> <But> <laughs> that certainly wasn't what that was from. But um, um, it, yeah, that was just, I was, I was actually surprised that when someone posted that. It's like, oh, okay. Uh, I can't say I had much time in that game, but I didn't remember that. <laughs> I've never even heard of that game. I'm looking it up right now. <laughs> Diamond Lady, yeah. Uh, somebody posted, oh, it gets very similar. And I was like, and I looked at him. I was like, oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, wow. This looks straight out of the 70s. I want you also to explain to us, because we I heard this on the Insider podcast about these drop targets and how they're unique because somehow you can trigger them with the with the lockdown button. Yeah. So these are trippable inline drop targets, which is something we've never done. Um, so like if you've played Metallica and somehow a ball got stuck behind a, a target, the it would just be stuck there. So uh, – yeah, we designed the, these trippable to prevent section uh, from that from happening. But then I realized, oh, we can actually take advantage of this by, you know, 
you get this gadget that'll enable the action button to just drop the target so you don't you know take those dangerous shots uh, of course the trade-off is each one of those uh, targets lights something on the play field that helps you so uh, when you get this gadget you can bypass that go straight for multi-ball but you don't get like the benefits of actually uh, hitting the drops so that's how that came about and um, yeah it, it's actually I'm really glad we put that in I was like skeptical at first is like why would we need this I, I don't see how the ball's going to get stuck behind the targets but and then I was like okay yeah I'll take it and I'll use it you know in the in a gadget what's your favorite shot in this game uh, definitely that figure eight loop. Um, also, the left the left orbit is kind of fun, especially from an inlane. So each time you roll on, over an inlane, it lights uh, a spinner, a related spinner for 10 points of spin, and that's fun. Uh, the left inlane also lights the hat for 10 points of spin. Um, so those are definitely my two favorite shots. I want a list of some of your favorite single-level games and why you like them. I grew up playing um, Frontier, Skateball, and 8-Ball Deluxe, and I like them all for different reasons. Uh, Frontier is just kind of like, yeah, here's all these dangerous shots. You know, you need to hit these targets that you go right down the middle on you half the time. But it's like it dares you to it dares you to do it, so you got to try because they're worth too much. Uh, a game like Skateball, I thought they had some really cool uh, shots, a lot of flow for its time um it had the, the reverse inlane outlane which i didn't hate which for once because i usually hate those um uh obviously eight ball deluxe was just an amazing game where you know the memory drop targets the, the easy theme that that bonus collect skill but that all came together and of course inline drop targets so uh those are the games i grew up playing um i as i you know Kept playing, you know, ramps started coming in, but it's still some of my favorite games. Like, um, even it's a terrible game, but uh, Alien Star that was at uh, Indisc is like, I mean, it's it's just a smooth shooting game, even though the rules are really bad and you're just shooting a spinner over and over again. It's just something about that the simplicity and also the 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 challenge where it says, hey, hit these five alien targets. If you want the, you know, multi-ball, it's like when you shoot them, then it just puts the ball everywhere out of control. And there's just something about that that appeals to me. I like the more I play pinball, the more I realize that when you're always in control 100% of the time, um, I think it, you kind of lose something. So uh, I, I try, I'm trying to slowly start incorporating like risky shots that put the ball out of control on my game. Um I think that that adds the variety you need. So like in Godzilla's case, here's this pop bumper. It's like, well, I'm never going to aim for that. And it's like, well, okay, well, I'll make you aim for it because there's an extra ball here and there's, you know, you have to hit it to advance some modes. So uh, that's kind of where my head was at with that, you know, trying to get the ball out of control like these old flat, you know, games. Uh, it's kind of like pinball used to be. So one question I had about Bond is, and we all know that it's limited to 500, but did any of the design that you put into this compensate for maybe some competition play because it would be awesome to see something like this a modern throwback in a competition oh yeah neil mccray is already uh talking about how it's going to be the uk open so um there i mean there's, there's no random awards per se so it should be fine for a competition uh there's no lock stealing so um yeah it's you know mark panacho you know he went over a couple things 
that he did, but there's nothing egregious that you can do in multiplayer that um, you can't do in single player, which is kind of a shame because I I don't entirely hate lock stealing. Uh, It actually adds a lot of strategy when they're asking us, you know, what position we want to go and what game in a tournament, you know, sometimes you strategically pick to go first, you know, Um, there's, it's just, you know, it adds a different element that you're not used to. And how was it working with Mark? Because is this his first game doing code kind of on his own for Stern? For Stern, yeah. Um, he's great. Um, he, he works from home primarily. So, you know, I, we, him and I would see each other like once a month and we'd huddle around the game, play it, uh, get some feedback, get some feedback to Jerry Thompson, the sound guy. And um, he's very receptive to my criticisms. Uh, you know, some of the things I didn't like, I told him about and he either changed them or just trashed them entirely. And, um, you know, he came up with a lot of stuff himself. So, um, yeah, it's, it's my first time working with the team other than my own, uh, cornerstone team. So yeah, it was, uh, it was a different experience. Got to work with other guys and it was fun. Do you think that this design and cause he came from, originally he came from Bally Williams. And so the last code set he did was in the nineties. Do you feel like this game kind of, um, helped bring him into more of a modern era because of the design and, and the retro feel it was going for. Yeah. Well, he, um, his last game was fishtails and yeah, and he definitely threw his hat in a ring to program this. Uh, he was brought on board for our, uh, IC system stuff. And, um, when this, when this game was getting developed, I know he threw his hat in a ring and, uh, you know, George gave it to him. And so he was excited and I was excited to have him. And, uh, yeah, I think that's a perfect uh, launching point for him to, uh, you know, if he wants to program games in the future, then, the, you know, this is perfect. Hey, look, look what I did. And this people like it. And, um, you know, it's a, if he wants to do it again, I'm sure uh, he, he can. Now, on this game, you had to choose, it looks like the six villains, but every Bond movie has a villain. How did you whittle it down to the ones you wanted? Uh, basically, I had to choose... Uh, from each era, my favorite villain. Um, uh, there was one exception. I think, um, I think there are two from the Roger Moore. Yeah. The, that isn't that odd job and jaws? No, it's, Oh yeah. It's jaws and, um, Christopher Walken, his character. Oh, gotcha. Yeah. Uh, that was because, yeah, we had one extra. And so I, it was a wild card and, uh, I got to pick whatever I want. And I was like, well, I grew up with Roger Moore, um, did the movie. So I, I decided to pick, uh, Jaws cause he's the most famous. And then, um, Max Zorin, it's cause that was his last movie, you know, Roger Moore's last movie. So that's why I decided on him. Are you, are you a fan of Bond or is it just something you kind of grew up with? I grew up with, uh, I grew up with Bond. Yeah. Um, I remember, um, for your eyes only it was on HBO. Like, like they would play all the time and I, I'd watch that movie so many times. And it's probably not one of his better movies, but I really enjoyed it. You know, I was just a dumb little kid. And, uh, so then every time he, you know, a movie came out after that and it's like, all right, this is my bond, you know? And of course, Jaws, you know, every kid growing up was like, Oh, I want to grow up to be Jaws. You know, <laughs> it, it was, <laughs> he just bit a chain with his teeth and, you know, it, it was, it was just kind of, you know, a kid thing that's like, Oh yeah, this, this movies are cool. You know, I love them. And as I got older, uh, yeah, I didn't, I still watch the bond. There's still not a movie I haven't seen, but, but yeah, as a kid, you're, you're just, uh, you know, worshiping these, you know, action heroes of the time. 
do you and Gomez ever get in it over uh, who's the better bond with Connery and, and more? <laughs> no, I already know that George, George is always telling stories about, you know, we would go to the theater and, and see these, um, you know, these Connery bonds. And I was like, okay, so I, yeah, I, I probably never went to a theater to see a more bond, but you know, <laughs> so I know he's a lot more, he's pretty passionate about uh, Connery. So this is your first game that is a two flipper game. Yeah. So tell me about that versus all your other games. Cause you, you, you added extra flippers in all the other games. And so this is your first traditional fan layout. This is true. This was by design. I wanted, you know, I wanted just, when I think of a, a throwback game, I don't think of like cross shots and other things. So it's like, I just want two flippers at the bottom. I want a bunch of drop targets. I want spinners everywhere. That, that's how I approach this. Um, in this case, like, um, I'm trying to think of a game. I think, like, you know, this stupid hot dogging game that we played in um, Classics 2, where it's got this flipper, like, built into the slingshot. Mm-hmm. You're like, this is totally a gimmick. You're never going to use this. It, <laughs> it's, it's like, why is this here? <laughs> you know, a lot of those... Uh, those extra flippers on these games of those eras just seemed like a waste. So uh, I, was, I was focusing more on a classic game with, you know, traditional flippers in a traditional spot, and not doing anything wacky. Yeah. You know, I, I would have loved to, I almost thought about doing the, the uh, twin flippers like uh, Harlem and the oh, that, fantastic. That would have been but, fun. Yeah. Yeah. That would have been fun, but I, I decided against that at the last second. So you've, elevated the bar quite a bit with Godzilla. At least that's the response I'm hearing between all the awards that won last year and, and everyone's claiming it's probably the best game ever made. And even Pinside, you've dethroned medieval madness and attack from Mars. Uh, do you feel like there's quite a bar to achieve with your next game you're, you're working on? I always strive to do, you know, the best I can. So, um, I take it as a challenge. If people say that, Oh yeah, he'll never top this game. Then it's like, okay, well, you know, give me a chance. So, um, as much as I love Godzilla, I, I, I play it now and it's like, oh, you know, there's a couple of things I wish I'd done differently. And, um, you know, hopefully I learned from that. And, um, uh, one of these days I'll, I'll, I'll release the perfect game in my mind and then I, then I can just retire. <laughs> we hope that day never comes then. <laughs> <laughs> keep, keep falling short. <laughs> well, and listening to Gomez, he's done quite a few interviews over these last couple months about bond and whatnot. And he said that they were going to the two cornerstones again this year. And we've kind of done the math and it kind of puts Eddie. He hasn't done anything really since Mandalorian and Jack danger. He still hasn't put anything out since that the JP pin. Does that mean we're not seeing anything from you this year? Yeah. No trippies for me next year. No. And none this year either. What the heck? <laughs> Yeah. Well, you know, it's nice to give um, my program of Rick Nagels, you know, a break. He's uh, oh, yeah. he's been busting his ass because we had back to back short schedule games. And that was uh, Avengers and Godzilla were both considered short schedule because they were kind of on each other's heels. So um, he, you know, got through those and we're like, hey, man, take a break. You deserve it. And so, um, yeah, here we are. It's it won't have a nice like fully fleshed out game upon release, whereas Godzilla, I think, released it you know, maybe 0.8. Uh, I think people saw the bones and realized, oh, yeah, this is going to be a cool game. But in reality, we were, we were still writing rules <laughs> like, you know, four or five months ago for that. 
So, um, yeah, it'll be uh, nice to give this team a little bit of a breather. Has it been a different experience too? And do you feel like you've been able to be more creative with your new game because of the breathing room you've received? Oh yeah. I actually, uh, pretty much completely redesigned two or three shots on it already, just because I've had the time, uh, time to like, you know, I do what's called a white with zero where I just take existing parts and bend them and, uh, either 3d print what's missing or just like, you know, just finagle parts together and try out shots. And, um, it's nice to be able to have that time to, you know, get the rough kinks out and it's like, Oh, this is, this works great. This is never going to work. I need something else here. And so, yeah, it's actually, it's, it's nice. I won't lie. (laughs) (laughs) So how do you design a great shot? Like what, what makes a shot feel great to me? It's a combination. uh, Is it smooth? And it's, does it do something interesting? So in the case, we'll use a bond 60. This is an example. Um, so you asked me my two favorite shots. Well, that figure eight shot is not only smooth, but it does something interesting. Uh, the the left orbit shot, uh, it's smooth. It's not necessarily interesting, but what it does, it, it feeds your right flipper on the fly for you to hit something that is more interesting. So that to me, that's what's important. Is, uh, is the shot itself interesting? No. Then it's got to set something up. It's either got to feed a device that's interesting or feed another shot coming up that is interesting. That's how I approach it. So I don't want to have like a clunky shot leading into an unfun device, you know, that's not fun all around. So um, those are my two rules. If if you have a clunky shot, it's got to be there for a reason. It just has to be there. Uh, otherwise there's no excuse. That's how I feel about the original Jurassic Park. I, the loop shot's great and all, but it, it is clunky and you're lucky to get to go around a couple of times, you know. Which loop shot? Uh, the, the one the, on the original Jurassic the Data Park. East. Data East. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I thought you meant my spinner shot, the center no. spinner shot on my Jurassic, which I intentionally have that clunky because originally that flew around so fast that you didn't have time to react. Mm. So I have it kind of like slamming into the back back of the panel and to slow it down. Uh, yeah, like I said, sometimes a clunky shot, like, is that a, a fun shot? No, but it sets up your upper flipper shot, yeah. and, which is important and does have smooth shots. So, so I need advice how to uh, consistently hit the Raptor Tower shot. Because I, that is, that is the most elusive luck shot for me in that game. Really? Yeah. That, that flipper should be aligned to pretty much hit it. It's the shot above that that I designed to be extremely hard. Oh so, yeah. Uh, no, I, uh, I hit that one all the time. The one that circles around, but are you sure I, your flippers on a line too high? Cause that's, <laughs> Oh, so I, I don't know. I'll have to double check what it is. <laughs> yeah. Cause it, I'm like that, that Raptor tower shot. I'm like, Oh, I got it. Like one out of 10 times, but I can always sling that sucker around to the upper shot. <laughs> oh yeah. Then that upper shot's death. That, that was, um, that was never designed to be a repeatable shot. So what I did is I, I made it, um, you know, special that the tower combo. So if you can shoot that and then the Raptor tower, I thought that was, that was a fun one, two punch. Yeah. But, but yeah, that shot was definitely not, you know, meant to be de looped or uh, do anything that's super interesting. It was just meant to scream the ball out of control. Oh yeah. No, it's exactly what it does. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I can de loop it a lot. 
Well, I think we actually tried code where the up post comes up for that. And it was just like, nah, because it bounced halfway back across the play field. It's like, oh, nah, no. I'll just have it come flying at you. Yeah, no, it, fast. yeah. <laughs> well, and if you forget to, to tap the flipper, the upper flipper, you're like, oh my gosh, it maybe go down the middle. <laughs> <laughs> so your new game, can we ask how many flippers you got on this one? There are two full-size flippers. And there are two other flippers. Other flippers. You're you're bringing the banana flipper back, aren't you? I am bringing the banana flipper, yes. (laughs) We're going Iron Maiden 2.0, but with banana flippers. With banana flippers, and they're going to look like hot dogs. Yeah. I I miss the banana flipper days. (laughs) (laughs) Nothing quite like playing a time warp. (laughs) Okay, so Keith, you are 12 years... Oh, go ahead. I I will say it has three flippers on one side. There's there's your hint. Oh. Three flippers on one side. Okay. The uh, it's Saturday afternoon. You're a 12 year old kid. You can watch any Bond movie on HBO at four in the afternoon. What are you picking? For your eyes only. Haven't you seen that a million times? Yeah, but that that was just that was the movie that got, got me hooked on Bond when I was young. So yeah, I, I, like I, I said, I, I'm not saying it was the best Bond. It clearly was not, but. Uh, that's that's when I grew up watching. Is that the one where they climb up like in Greece, like to that chateau on the? There's like an ice skater up there or something yes, like that. Yes, yes. It uh, very inappropriate relationship that she yeah. tries to have with it. Yeah, it's that's that one. <laughs> yeah, okay. It's, it's yeah. cringe. It's cringy today. It, it is. Yeah, it, it's definitely cringeworthy. But uh, I do remember that one. That was. I of course I remember uh, the one that came out that for some reason we watched a billion times was Octopussy. So that was, uh, that was always, uh, you know, that, that was always an interesting bond to, to yeah, like, I, Hey, you want to watch I that? Remember when I, I remember when that came out. I don't remember much about it. Uh, I remember after I watched, uh, for your eyes only, I watched Moonraker and I was like super excited, you know, it's jaws in space. And then yeah. it was just like, Oh, this is not that good. <laughs> I, yeah. Moonraker was not that good. I don't think I've seen it all the way through because the, they kept doing it like the uh, the ABC Sunday night movie. And I think the only reason why they kept doing that is because they probably didn't have to pay anything. <laughs> <laughs> but no, yeah. Other than that, I liked I liked all the uh, the Roger Moore movies that mm-hmm. I saw. Um, yeah, Moonraker wasn't my favorite, but I liked the artwork. Yeah. What one was it that I shared with you the other day, Scott? It makes me laugh every time because like for some odd reason, Bond always had to be attacked by like an animal in his hotel room. And so there's one where like, they drop a Cobra. It's a snake. Yeah. Where yeah, he, he uses a blowtorch on it. He uses the, his hairspray and like hairspray a, and a lighter. His, his Aquanut hairspray. Yeah. <laughs> it's funny because I had never really watched the, uh, the Connery bonds. And when I had an, the, the old school Netflix account where they sent you uh, DVDs, I actually made it a point to watch all those and I thoroughly enjoyed them. And I was like, I'm actually surprised because I was expecting it just to be way too cheesy and campy for me. But I, I thought they were great. So how does that affect um, your time now that uh, Stern, at least for the foreseeable future, do- uh, Doctor, uh, George Gomez has announced that they're doing two cornerstones. How does that affect your process? Because that, that seems to slow it down a little bit because with four designers, you probably were on about a a 16 month design schedule. Well, that kind of pushes you out to a 24 month design schedule. Well, nothing changes design wise because, you know, we have to design the game like it's still coming out, you know, when it was originally coming out. 
it doesn't mean we all get to take a break and not work on it. Uh, it just means that hopefully that when the game does release, it's, it's, you know, the code's done, everything is buttoned up tight. Mm. So, uh, it, like I said, this is, this is, this is like a nice break for us to actually have the time to, you know, have everything, you know, buttoned up, you know, when you watch the, the Jack danger stream, when we do it, it's like, no one's going to say, Oh, why is there a placeholder stuff here? It's like, hopefully that that's not going to happen. And, um, we can deliver a kick-ass game uh, day one. I was going to say, so obviously you took on four optical spinners, and and that's a record as far as we know as, as many spinners on a pinball machine. Are you going to try to attempt something like Haunted House and have like a basement, main level, upper level, and do like nine flippers instead of eight? Oh, I thought you were going to uh, bring up inline spinners. That's uh, what I was about to say. Yeah. Why don't you do inline spinners? Do four inline spinners. <laughs> I imagine that's probably doesn't work as well as you think, but that'd be interesting. Well, what if you fed it to like uh, the rocket kickback on Guardians of the Galaxy and it shoots it up through four <laughs> optical spinners? I'm guessing you would see four broken optical spinners. <laughs> <laughs> okay, that this is my this is my wish list for Stern. You can you can just take it for what it is. My only complaint about this Bond 60 is it's limited to 500. So you're not going to get the Keith Elwin saturation market, market saturation that you're typically getting for a game. So here's my wish list. Sometime down in the future, they release a a game that's priced for the masses with the same play field. So just, just put that in the back of your head and take that to George. Okay, I'll tell him. <laughs> <laughs> I thought you were going to ask him outright and say, are you going to do that? No, I guess I, I come on, come on. <laughs> I'm not going to ask that. I'm just suggesting. Cause I, I, I would have to sell a couple games to afford this, even though I have considered it, <laughs> <laughs> but I, I'm, I'm, I still have all four L ones. So I just need a fifth. You could brag. You have all the cornerstone L ones. How's that? Yeah, there you go. Yep. I, I wish I still did. There's only so much. That's the bane of our existence, right? There's only so much room and only so much money. So yeah, yeah, it is. It just makes it's just crazy to think about how long pinball has been around, how many games have been produced, and it's like how few like in the past thirty years have actually been trashed. I mean, they're they're all going somewhere. Yeah. Yep. So you know, back in the day, the operator would just throw it away, but you know, those days are long gone. So every game produced is getting parked somewhere indefinitely. So mm-hmm. that's well, that's why everyone's problem is space. Yeah, I was going to say even like a decade ago, I remember when I first got into the hobby, it seemed like uh, operators still didn't realize what they had. You know, there was there was a lot of operators that run nickel arcades or whatever, and it was, you know, once they'd run its time, they'd either trash them or, I mean, that's how I got my World Cup. I got it for like 500 bucks, and the guy thought he was ripping me off, and I didn't have a soundboard, and I was like, I'll take it, <laughs> you know? Yeah, yeah, different, different times. It's weird. Okay, Keith, how many games do you have? Because I you you basically had a pinball business down in San Diego before you moved up to Stern, right? Uh, yeah, I have less than forty, more than thirty, I think. Okay, how how do you choose which ones to get besides the ones you design? Uh, I actually haven't bought a game in, uh, in quite a long time, but. Um, I would always, you know, back when I was running a business, I would buy something that, hey, is this on location anywhere else in San Diego or L.A.? No, then I had to have it. You know, case in point, I, I bought a Secret Service 
just because I had not seen one in location since I was a kid. No one else had one. I bought that. I bought a Bonsai Run for the same reason. Um, you know, that, that pretty much influenced my decisions. You know, some games I just I bought because I wanted to have. Uh, I mean, I bought uh, Walking Dead Premium just because I wanted to have it. I had no intention of operating it. Uh, so it's just, you know, how you're feeling. I bought Sea Witch because I thought it looked cool at this uh, bar by the the ocean that we had, and people loved it. And they also loved Beatier. And it's just it's some of those games I, I bought for dirt cheap that I ended up operating for years. It, it was it was an incredible time. Um, so yeah, if if you're an enthusiast operator, it's some of those games that you just don't see anywhere. Uh, they can be gold. Well, it's funny some of these older games too that like. Uh my wife has played a uh, Riviera recently within the last six months or something like that. And she's like, that's the game I got to have. I, and people keep sending me listings, but it's, it's funny cause it's just not a game you think of. It's not one of those, uh, it, you know, it, I think the problem is we get in this mindset that anything made, you know, pre seventies is all the same, maybe even pre 75. And there were some unique uh, ideas that went into those games. Like you said, they might be gimmicky to a point, but uh, it's it's cool to explore that because it just we don't see that anymore, you know. Yeah, well, I think you know any enthusiast operator is going to try to put something else that you know on location that nobody else is, and I think that's actually going to work in a favor of this bond being limited. Is like you know, obviously you're not, you're not going to see maybe we're on location, but there are going to be these enthusiast operators like, well, if I put this out, where people else is anyone? Where right. else is anyone going to play this? So this is going to draw people to my bar. Yeah, it's. Yeah, yeah, it it works, and trust me, because I've been there. I did that. It's like anytime I came across a gem that it, I didn't know if on location anywhere in Southern California, the people would would come play it. Yeah, and that's like Sunshine Laundromat having Supreme. Yeah. Like I, 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 I don't think I'll ever play Supreme unless I go to Sunshine. That game is surprisingly fun. Oh, I'm sure uh, it is. <laughs> yeah, I remember that there was a Whitewood in, in our lab. And we had, all of us, because this is before we were working from home, uh, we would we would have like daily tournaments on this thing because it was just so damn fun to just play a quick, you know, simple, fun game that was actually wasn't that easy to beat, but it, you know, it was uh, it was fun. So, are you guys still working from home, or is it because you're you're getting ready to move, to, or, or have you already moved to a new operating facility? Uh, I actually don't know what's going on with that, uh, but we are, I mean, I, I work, I mean, last week I went in every day, but, uh, it depends what I'm doing. If I'm writing rules or doing any kind of CAD work, I do it from home. Uh, if I'm actually working on Whitewoods, you know, test lab, anything I'm, I'm there at the office. So, uh, the programmers are mostly, uh, working from home. Okay. Yeah. We didn't know if it was business as usual or if, if COVID has now made, the unnormal now normal. So <laughs> possibly. So Keith, what are you looking forward to in the next year? Oh boy. Um, finally going to an international tournament in, mm. uh, in May, I'm going to Germany. Something has been on my list to do, but it, it's just, everything always aligns improperly and I, I, it doesn't happen. So that's what I'm most looking forward to. All right. That sounds good. Germany's on my bucket list too. That reminds me. So are you, did you qualify as the state champion for Chicago or for, yeah, for Illinois or cause uh, I, I saw Escher did wish, Wisconsin. I didn't play in that. I, I qualified okay. in uh, California, but since I was out there the previous week at Indus, I didn't want to come back. So I, oh, gotcha. I forfeited my, uh, 
my spot. You figure second at the end disc is good enough. Yeah. Yeah. Keith, always a pleasure having you on. Thank you so much. Uh, we have some more, uh, uh, some more updated beanies. We'll get out to you. That sounds great. And once again, we do appreciate you helping out with, with flipping the script on autism, man. That's, uh, it was a great cause and we're, we're happy that you helped us out with it. Yeah, that was fun. That was, uh, when I walked into it, I was like, I don't know what I'm going to do, but, uh, Amanda was saying, what do you want to do? I was like, I don't know. Let's just wing it. And, uh, it was a lot of fun. Yeah. I don't think any of us knew what we were going to do. It was, <laughs> it was such a unique experience. It was, it was pretty wonderful by the end of it though. It was funny though. Cause I was telling Zach, cause he was trying to sell his Deadpool before that. And now I'm looking at it. I'm like, so you ready to sell this? He's like, you're, te- you're, you're joking me, right? Like. I've got Keith that's touched it. Now it's Rogers touched yeah. it. And- that thing was butter. That was oh. a great Deadpool. Oh yeah. <laughs> and I, I love the mods that he put on there. Oh yeah. The the NSFW mods where you're like, wow. <laughs> <laughs> just just ask about Greg Greg. Yeah, Bone, just ask I about guess. Greg. Greg Bone. <laughs> <laughs> but thanks again. Uh I guess if that if if you don't want anyone to get a hold of you. <laughs> Where do you, where do you want them to send you email that they're they're not going to get a response fan to fan letters fan letters <laughs> just send uh, directly to George yeah <laughs> send it to my guys all right Keith well definitely uh, love all the games and can't wait to see what the next uh, next ones are laying out for you and I know you'll do a great job uh, I'm really glad you crossed over from playing to designing because you certainly impacted the newest generation of enthusiasts so it's been a lot of fun playing and owning those games well it's good to hear that all my decades of experience can now be put to new use but thanks i appreciate it okay thanks keith i'm gonna say do you it's been five six years since you created archer do you did you think this would all come about because you did a homebrew in your garage that was my hope um when the yeah the P Rock system came out and you know people could make their own games, I was like, God. When I was a kid, I used to design games all the time, you know, just out of just stupid household items. And I was like, I'm gonna see if I can do this. And then I was like, Hey, this thing actually shoots pretty fun. And then when Stern reached out to me, I was like, Yeah, let's talk. Cool. Nice. Well, I think it's been good for both of you. So. Yeah, yeah. No complaints. <laughs> I do. I do miss Southern California, but uh, oh yeah. Oh, you don't like the this weather. Time of year, right? The now. weather in Illinois <laughs> is not awesome. <laughs> it is uh, awesome three months a year. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> you should come here where the snow foot or our snow is at three foot right now. And yeah, uh, we we have a lot of snow right now. Oh, it's ridiculous. <laughs> Awful. Well, if you want to get a hold of us, we are Loser Kid Pinball Podcast at gmail.com. You can also get a hold of us on the socials on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, Twitch, maybe YouTube. All at Loser Kid Pinball. Uh, we're we're trucking along, man. I don't know what else to say, Scott. <laughs> yeah, see you in about two weeks. See you in two weeks. Shut up and sit down.